Hello, and welcome to another episode of Life Coaching with Mike Fitch. I am joined today with a good friend of mine that I've known, oddly enough, for over 30 years. We were just talking about the bizarre nature of that statement that we've actually known each other that that long is literally hard to believe. Um, so I've been friends with him for as long as I can remember. He's a two-time published author, both books extremely well-written and extremely entertaining. And I think I have an advantage in reading his books and that I get to hear his voice in my head while I'm reading his books, which makes them even that much more entertaining. I have a feeling there's probably a third book on the way with the new ventures that he's entering into. Um, he has three degrees and um, is presently writing and blogging on weight loss. And that's what we're going to kind of delve into today. Um, he talks about the battle, you know, that everybody has with weight loss and getting into shape. And I say battle because I um, forward Ben's uh, Facebook posts onto my own Facebook page. And that basically is what it is. It's a battle, you know, a battle with yourself in, in the weight loss arena. Um, he started his own website called fatassnomore.com. Um, and in there, you will see the daily battle. He takes you through the entire process of him being 350 pounds and now being in the best shape of his life. Uh, welcome, Mr. Walters. Thank you for taking the time to be here um, and abandoning the social distancing <laughs> to give me this opportunity to put you on the show. Um, I personally have never struggled with weight loss. Those of you that know me, in fact, it's been exactly the opposite. But that's not my interest in what Ben does. My interest is in the passion that he's approached this process with and the emphasis on the psychological battle that's roped me in, um, regardless of its direct applicability to my life. Uh, about 10 years ago, I ran into Ben in Jackpot, Nevada, and I think it was probably the best time that I ever had in Jackpot, Nevada. Um, but I think at the same time, I caught him at a low point in his life, at least looking back now. I think that um, it was a low point for him and it brought me, it brings it even more into light, the remarkable transformation um, because when I ran into him after I'd seen him in jackpot, I ran into him at our 20 year class reunion and I genuinely didn't even recognize him the first time I saw him because of the dramatic change that had occurred. So Ben, why don't you start off by telling us, a little bit of the background on your transformation um, and maybe what instigated it, what, what, what prompted this whole process. Okay. Well, Hey Mike, thanks for, first of all, thanks for letting me be here, man. Um, Mike's always been a huge supporter of me and, and uh, likewise, I've always looked up to Mike and we're, we're kind of like, like he says, he's never had the weight loss problem where we would kind of probably be like Burton and Ernie together. He's <laughs> Six foot four inches tall. I'm five foot ten inches tall. So where I'm always trying to lose weight, he was probably always trying to gain weight. So um, what? Maybe someday we'll meet in the middle somewhere. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I I ran into Mike in in Jackpot Nevada, and it and it it was pretty much it externally. If you're if you're look at me there from that point of view, it would be it was a low point in my life. But I still hadn't quite reached internally. The low point. I'm, and I tell people this a lot. When I was 350 pounds, and you could see those uh, pictures of me, um, you know, where I could, I was in a in a size six X shirt and stuff like that. 
I'm not going to tell you that those to get to 350 pounds was pretty fun. I mean, there was a lot of good times there. Um, and it, and it was fun till it, till it wasn't, but when you get to a certain point, um, in obesity, when you get to a certain point of weight, there's a, you go through a time period where you just don't care anymore. And when you can finally don't care anymore, when you finally don't care anymore, it's, it's kind of a slow suicide. Um, but you do anything you want, but you're free to do it because, you know, who cares? Drink six beers, drink 12 beers, do it in an hour, spend all your money, have a blast. You know, you're you're the life of the party in your own mind um, until you realize you're the butt of all the jokes. After a while, you become uh, aware that people aren't laughing with you anymore. They're laughing at you um, and your antics and the things you do now. Um that particular night in, in jackpot, I know Mike is, it wasn't like laughing at me. Mike was there with me as my friend and everything like that. When I had, geez, I probably had six hands of blackjack going maybe and, and two beers at each station. And yeah, it was, um, so you were playing multiple hands of jackpot and actually your wife was in a tournament down there, which is why mm -hmm. you guys were down and you had the free beer at the table. Then you would order a beer and then you would have me order a beer. So that there would be three coming simultaneously. And then at one point you tipped a beer over on the table. And of course the, the, dealer, like got, that. the dealer got really pissed and he yeah. was already not super happy with you because you were high-fiving me and swearing. And when you tipped the beer over, you stood up on your stool and yelled beer down, beer down. <laughs> as the beer trickled out over the felt. So um, like I said, beyond entertaining, um, but but yeah, like I said, it was a good time for sure. But yeah, there, it was you you had a lot going on simultaneously. Yeah, and and that's the, that's one of those times you really think you're the life of the party, but you're you're kind of just a pain in the ass after a while. You know what I mean? <laughs> and honestly, that's really not like me. Um, that's not the genuine me. That's the me that put on this coat mm -hmm. to get over that to get through that and and um that's that's a scary thing about a lot of a lot of obese people is that you're not getting the right for you know you're not getting the real person they're mm -hmm. getting someone who's cloaking themselves uh to get through it you know so um, what do you think took you to that point because you've always been as long as i've known you always been one of the smartest people that i've ever met and I've, I've told people, several people this as I was leading up to being able to interview on this, because I know we've been talking about doing this for a while. And I was so excited about being able to get you on here because I've always admired you so much. But you were always one of the most charismatic people that I ever met. From the time we met, if there was a herd of people in a group listening to somebody talk, it was you. If you'd gone hunting that weekend and we came back to school Monday, there were 25 people around you to hear the story. If it was mm -hmm. Monday at high school and we were all in the lunchroom. 25 people would be around you listening to whatever happened Friday night. Um, I mean, I don't think you ever had to get into a fight from the sixth grade on because you told such an amazing story about kicking <laughs> somebody's butt in elementary school. Everybody thought you were this crazy badass. So you never even had to fight because your stories were so good. So you were ridiculously intelligent. You have all these degrees. You were charismatic. Everybody, you were the life of the party. I mean, everybody liked Walters and everybody wanted to be around him. So how did it get to that? How did it get to that point where you felt like you had to put this this veil on or, you know, that, that you're that that I guess it just it ended up where you were? Um, well, it was, it was a long road to get there, obviously. And it, um, but I think what what happened was when I left high school, when I was younger, I actually when people say you can be anything you want, 
you got to take that. You got to be a little careful with those words and who you say that to and um, who's ever saying that to you and how you internalize that. Because honestly, when I graduated from high school, I figured not only was I going to be president of the United States, but I was also going to be an orthopedic surgeon, an attorney, probably play pro football and maybe be one of the new lead singers for Van Halen. <laughs> so I was going to do all those things because I was going to be successful, at whatever I tried. Um, and so when things started to go south for me, um, I, I realized I, my, my anchor, I guess that my anchor rope, whatever you call that broke. And so um, I kind of just started going adrift and I, I felt like I was directionless as um, kind of the dreams started dying one right after another. And instead of, instead of responding to it like a like you should like like mike does like looking at these challenges they were woe is me type things you know and granted i was only 18 or 19 or 20 but it set the stage for the next few years where you know everything i try is not going to pan out anyway so i'm only going to give half-ass effort to it except for partying you know and i I get you know i'm following role models at this point that uh you know, weren't even real characters from TV movies that, you know, only live once type characters. And the further you go into that, spin into that hole, it's a pretty tough hole to get out of the only live once thing. And especially, you know, and, and it's, I should probably be thankful that all my drinking and all that stuff, all my excesses less led to obesity because I'm also a, a vain individual, you know, so, um, after a while, that vanity started, I started looking at myself in the mirror and being like, man, this, this isn't good here. And I'm vain because I, when I can't perform really well or, or be successful at something, um, otherwise I may have, I may be in the grave, you know, as it was, I had one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel um, <laughs> with, with the obesity thing. But um, there, there came a few times in my life that, you know, when I got married, I, I started to kind of get myself together a little bit. But then I start going adrift again. But but that that was a um, that was a big deal for me. But then when my son was born, when my actually when my wife told me she was pregnant with my son, um, she quit drinking, obviously. And so there went my drinking buddy. And so I quit drinking right then and there. And then I, I think I grew up and I was 34 years old. So April 9th of whatever year that was 2009 I think is the day I probably grew up when I learned that news I still have that last beer can I drank smashed and put on my wallet it says April yeah April 9th 2009 holy but then wow. here's the problem with me and and um hopefully I'm not rabbit because I I do tend to to rabbit trail no nope. on you so so steer me back if nope. you need to you're good um, that'll be your job if you want to steer me back. Um, cause you've always done that as, as my quarterback, you know, you steer me back because I was playing linebacker, running back, just going out, doing whatever Fitch told me to hit and nailing every, whoever Fitch told me to do, I'd go do it. So he's got to steer me back here too. But anyway, so I, when I quit drinking, I thought, well, I'll lose a whole lot of weight now because I'm not going to drink so much anymore. Well, I replaced all those beers with food. And, and it was bad. And you, the, some, when I tell people this, they say, ah, nah, that, that's not true. But I've got pictures of it. Almost every night I would eat a large, uh, not large, family, family style, Papa Murphy's Chicago pizza. That was dinner. And then followed by um, sometimes an entire pan of those G.E.R. Dello brownies or whatever they are. I'd make a pan of brownies before I'd put in the pizza. And then I'd put in the pizza right over there while the oven was still warm. 
eat the pizza, eat the brownies. And that was every damn night. Okay. And if it wasn't that, it was an entire casserole. It was, you know, when you go through the drive through at McDonald's, it was the number three plus a couple burgers on the side. Um, Taco Bell was a place I'd go to. I'm talking probably a $30 trip to the drive through at Taco Bell. Wow. Um, huge appetites to replace that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that oral fixation, eating, drinking something, you know what I mean? Um, but I still had, a, I was still a loud mouth because of that though. You know what I mean? To cover that. Mm-hmm. I'm not a particularly humor, humorous individual, but I, I came up with a lot of that, you know, humor at the time, but you know, you, you corner me or something like that. And I'd be pretty, not, not a very nice person when the, when the, when the, uh, you know, when the, the coat was removed mm-hmm. of, of trying to cover for myself being a clown. So. Uh, so, so what, what then caused the shift? I mean, like you said, you, you gave up alcohol, which had to be a huge step. And the fact that you did it with, you know, the, the news of, you know, you're going to be a dad is extremely admirable. So at what point do you make the shift? What happens psychologically to make the shift then with the weight gain and the, and the eating habits? Um, that, and that, well, that was more of a process when you quit. Um, and I also quit tobacco, um, uh, six years before that. When you quit drinking and chewing and smoking, you can just quit. You don't have to quit. You don't. You, you don't. You don't have to deal with them anymore. You can break up with them and be gone. Um, with food, you're stuck with it forever. So it's a it's a tough one, and it's still a tough one. And it's always going to be a battle for me, always. Um, and for everybody that that has an eating disorder, and most people, it seems like most people do that I run into have some kind of eating disorder. Um, but it's a battle because you have to eat, right? Um, so what happened with that, I think, is like uh, we've always been athletic. You know, we've always had fun and enjoyed our football ever since back in the day. So that some guys wanted to play some touch football one day. And I think I could only make it about a minute. And then I was done. Everything I was doing was hurting. Um, we'd still lift weights and, and I'd still run occasionally, but everything started to hurt. Um I started to, you know, I kept buying, I think I was up to literally the biggest clothes you can possibly buy without having them custom made, um, six X's or something like that. And still not quite caring. It was in the back of my mind. But then I remember, I remember I, I wanted to get, I was actually had a part-time job with driving truck and I went to get a, um, the medical card for a CDL and my blood pressure at that medical card, the medical screen and the physical was I want to say 180 over 120 or something like that. It was. And so I remember asking the guy that, that, that was doing the physical for that, the doctor, I said, so I'm probably not going to get my medical card. And he said, not only you're not going to get your medical card, I don't know if you're going to leave this office and anything but an ambulance, you know, because it was just in a community oh. care place. He's like, oh. this, you're going to have a stroke, dude. And oh, my God. Still, though. And that's like it just another it was just another thing to file away. Like, yeah. You might be having a problem here, but still did not internalize it yet. It's only when it came to vanity. It, it's so weird with, with that. It was only when it comes to vanity um, that an embarrassment when I finally had had enough. And that was when I was working out here at the um, Idaho National Laboratory. And this was, I mean, there's a lot of things that built up to this. So I don't want to say there was one like singularity black hole or on the mm-hmm. other side. Of oh, that. yeah. But, but this was the final straw. Um, I was walking into a, uh, there's a, you can go straight down a hallway to go to a lunchroom or you can go right to go to a lab. And I was headed to this lab, but in doing so, you have to go down this hallway and there's about 20 people 
lined up in this hallway waiting to go into a conference room just this side of that lab. And so I was walking past, and it was about 10.30 in the morning, and, and I hear this as I walk by. Little lunch, little uh, little early for lunch, isn't it, fat ass? From and this was someone from like uh, one of the mid-level managers out there, you know. And and everybody chuckled in this line. And and I'm walking and I stop mid-stride and I turn around and I and I know exactly who said it. I turned around. His name was Richard. I can't do last name. So someday, someday I'm gonna pull out that last name. So I go up to him and he and he he, he was a cocky as hell. He stands out of the line. Yeah, I said it. I said, what did you just say to me? And he said, you heard me. And I, I got nose to nose with them because I do know how to fight. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I was, I had two choices, you know, you get those stinging tears, you get, you, you almost, you can feel them coming. I, and I almost felt like crying and I, um, but I thought I, I could kill this guy with my bare hands right now. Not, not that I'm martial artist or anything. I'm just so angry at this mm-hmm. guy. I felt like choking him and killing him. Um, and I had two ways to go on this. I could say, I'm going to, I'm going to beat this guy down. And beat him up, and then I'll teach everybody to call me a, a fat ass. Or I can say I'm not going to be a fat ass anymore. And so that was the two ways to go. And I mean, the tears were just on the cusp of that. And and I walked and I left and I went to the lab and worked. And you know, I had to fight tears all day long. And the next day, um, I made up my mind that I was going to do this. So that was it. Was that was late. December, right before Christmas, I think. And, and knowing me, I, I have to start everything on Mondays and everything like that. So I thought, well, and I continued to eat. I, I didn't stop that, stop my, my runaway train of eating until that next, uh, this was 2011. So in 2012, January 2nd is when I decided to make this change. I you can't do it on January 1st because on December 31st, you eat, 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 and then January, or yeah, December 31st, then January 1st is, well, it's New Year's Day, you know, got all the bowl games and everything, nobody's going to diet on that day, right, so I think it was, that was probably a Monday, January 1st, I think, too, I don't know, it was somewhere in there, but the January 2nd was when I decided wow. to do that, so. Um, and so that was been, your that was your seminal moment. Though, yeah, that was the seminal moment from that, that's when the battle started, Yeah. then it got really tough. So at that point, did you come up with the idea for, for journaling about your weight loss? Where did fatassnomore.com come from? I mean, how far back did you have this this plan that you were eventually getting? I mean, because what you've done is you basically journaled your whole, your whole journey from 12 to now. Mm-hmm. And you're putting that out there every day on Facebook and your fatassnomore.com. Um, where did all that come to fruition? When did all that come to fruition? Um, well, I think that the fat ass no more was literally what that guy said. It's a little early for lunch, isn't it? Fat ass. And so fat ass, I'm not going to be a fat ass anymore. That's right. Mm-hmm. What I made up my mind to do. And I thought that the whole journaling thing, I'm, I am a writer and I enjoy it, mm-hmm. but um, I believe in something that I think people have talked about before. I, if this is nothing new. It's called the flywheel effect. Have you heard of that before? Where like the flywheel on your engine, yeah. um, what you have to, it takes um, direct power to get that moving first, right? But then after you get that flywheel going, pretty soon it's pushing you, I guess, is what it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So so you're trying really hard and really hard, and after a while, you're going to be forced to do it. So the whole journaling, blogging thing, I knew that if I wrote about this and and kind of put it out there as maybe, and, and I knew I, I, I pretended that I had um, mm-hmm. I'd have to do that. And, and after a while, I knew that if I push that flywheel and push that flywheel, pretty soon it was going to come back around and push me. My audience was going to force me to keep losing weight oh. and force me to keep writing. And 
there was no audience because I didn't put it out to anybody. Right. But I had this pretend audience. You know, I'm a good pretender. And, and you know, sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to yeah. do oh, yeah. so Other people might call it visualize and I call it, I mean, I, let's, let's face it. I'm, I was a pretender. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm pretending that people, that I'm famous and people are following this, this writing and then following my stuff. And they're, everybody's my biggest fan. And everybody was that, that was out that would be out there that mm-hmm. would read it someday. Um, cause, cause like with, with you and your story, it's, it's a battle and people love a battle, you know what I mean? I love a good story. And so I can't let them down. And, and that's why it's kept going so far because I have, it, it, it still might be an imaginary audience. The people that, that I know love me that read it, you know what I mean? You, if you're there, you're not imaginary. And so I, I can't let you down. I can't let me down. I can't let anybody down. So that's been the thing. Well, I know that on my end, just me simply, I mean, you know, you act like, you know, I, I mean, you know, people think, oh, I'm doing this magical thing. I'm pushing a freaking button on the computer that says share, right? And then sharing it with the people that I have on Facebook, which my numbers aren't super big because I haven't been on Facebook that long. But you would be amazed the number of people in my sphere who appreciate what you're doing and have asked me questions about you. And, you know, how do I know you? And, and how where did this all come from? So know that, you know, what what might have originally been an imaginary fan base, I think is a really, a, a real fan base. And oh, cool. one of, one of the, the coolest things that I saw in, in reading through these was where you talked about the psychology of weight loss and that you're battling yourself that regardless of diet, regardless of exercise, yeah, you have to do those things, but the real enemy is, you know, is in your own mind that you have to, you know, you're competing against yourself in a way. So I, I guess maybe you could just talk about that a little bit, that aspect of it, because it obviously has worked for you. Yeah, that and that's the irony of the human condition, Mike, is that we all are, we all have the key. And there's an eagle song. We we lock ourselves up, and the entire time we have the key, and we don't even know it. And that's that's a sad thing on most days. But on some days, you can turn yourself loose. You can you can free yourself from that. Um, but you you are your your biggest opponent because. Um, and I hate to say this, I make fun of people who say at the end of the day all the time, but I say it all the time. At the end of the day, man, people care, but they they don't really care. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They love your story, but everybody's got their story. Everybody has their battles. Um, so you got to you got to realize that really that the true demon lies within mm-hmm. you know what I mean and you have to battle that demon every day and, and you don't have you don't have well at least it seems like there's at least point at, at, in point of sometime during the day you're gonna have to face some sort of demon mm-hmm. some sort of addiction demon something like that something that tells you it's that like literally on Tom and Jerry when you have that little devil on your shoulder telling you what to do whether it's an um, insecurity or something yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I don't think I can remember any day in my life really where the whole the whole damn day has been perfect. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think pe- sometimes people get misguided thinking you're going to have an entire good day and you should always have an entire good day every day of your life. Well, that's not true. It's you're going to get little snippets of happiness. Mostly it's just boring, but, but that, that it's still always within you. You know what I mean? At the end, it's all just inside this. You're <laughs> literally inside your skull is a pile of noodles. Everything that's going on in your life is just going on in your life. So you really have to drive your own bus and with your insecurities and addictions like that, you are your own enemy. At the same time, you're your best friend. I mean, that's the irony about all yeah. this stuff, man. Yeah. It is, and it's and it's complex. Yeah. And I yeah. and and I think that's the difficulty where everybody's always looking 
outside of themselves for answers. Like if I just had this personal trainer that can hold my hand on a daily basis, if I just had a personal coach right, that can yeah. hold my hand on a daily basis and help me make all these decisions, when in actuality, that doesn't exist. The keto diet, whatever, you know, whatever it is, there is no magic pill. And that people thrive on that so much. You know, whether I don't want to say that it's ever out of genuine laziness, but it is so difficult to deal with yourself. Look, I, I don't have the ability to deal with myself on a daily basis. So if somebody could just stand here and hold my hand through this process and tell me what to eat for breakfast and then tell me what to eat for lunch and tell me what to eat for dinner and then tell me what to do in the evenings, okay, then I'm good. But if I have to, but because I don't, because battling myself or you know, doing it within yourself is the difficult part. And I think that's maybe what you've accomplished and been able to verbalize for people that, that they can't is that regardless of what exercise plan that you then the exercise plans come and go and diets come and go faster than anything on this planet because really it just takes you internalizing it and making it work for yourself yeah pick whatever diet you want yeah. it doesn't matter i don't i don't even propose one so at some point i'll put out it's i call it the program i'll put it out there what i did but it doesn't matter what you do. it doesn't matter if you do the keto diet or the jenny craig or nutrisystem weight watchers they all work yeah. they all do if you follow them they're mm-hmm. There's no way they can't work. It's the key lies in following them. Mm-hmm. So what, like I said, it, it, you're to know you as long as I've known you and to see you go from, you know, superstar high school athlete, you know, where you get a good chance to go play football at the University of Chicago and then getting all of your degrees and then running into you at jackpot and then seeing you again now in the condition that you're in. What, um, what impact have you seen your story or your experiences have on, on other people? I mean, have you, do you, do you, do you get to grab onto any of that and, and celebrate it I, a little bit? I don't, man. I've seen it. I've seen it impact me, but I don't, I, you know, I don't person, people say, yeah, it's helping me or this mm-hmm. or that. I don't believe it. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much. So it's still just completely intrinsically for you. Yeah. And I want it to be, I want to influence people through much more than eating disorders because this is this, what you're looking at with this whole blog thing that I'm doing right now is the vehicle is the eating disorder. The whole, the whole, the bigger picture here is the challenge that people face, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And you've spoken about that on your podcast before. We're looking at something rather than a, a kind of a woe is me is just looking at another challenge. Like something happens to you. It's not, are we prepared for a beatdown? It's like, no, let's make this a challenge. So whether, the, whether that's drugs, alcohol, weight problems, something like that. So um, I, I hope I have an influence on somebody. But right now I just have I, I pretend that I have an influence on seven billion people. Mike. I pretend that they're all listening to me. I'm mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And. But I, I, I have to pretend that, mm-hmm. but really all I have to do is follow it. All I have to do is believe in me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and so I want to be the number one to follow it. And if people can follow it to get maybe a little tip here or there or whatever, you know, and kind of add it to their arsenal of, of weaponry against the, the cold world out there, mm-hmm. that's great. But as far as, you know, doing it exactly like I do it, I don't recommend it. You know, it's not been easy. There's probably easier ways to do it. And everybody has their own story. So hopefully the impact, the, the impact I want to make on people is nothing more than, um, like I said, another 
another tool in their toolbox, rifle in their cabinet, mm-hmm. shirt in their closet, car in their garage, whatever. Just another piece of information to use. Maybe when the chips are down, you can think back to something that somebody said, you know, or mm-hmm. I, I might have said and, and use it like that. But Well, I think that's the beauty of it. And, and I know we have a lot of mutual friends on Facebook that that are there. And I see a lot of the comments every time one of one of you, you know, you post again. And so many people are just so grateful, but because I think one thing that does empower people is when they don't feel like they're alone. And so I'm not going through this alone. And I know that that you have so many people that respect you. You've been so highly thought of by so many people for so long, at least people that we grew up with, I know. Um, And so I'm assuming others is that I'm not going through this alone. And, and, And a little bit of that is vulnerability. So your ability to write, which has always been astounding and your books are phenomenal, but you have, you put such a great voice to what it is that that you're saying that there there might be somebody else that might be able to deliver the same message or even deliver it better, but they don't have your ability to do it with words. And I think you open yourself up so much and that vulnerability gives people faith that it's not just some hokey bullshit. Like he, look, he, he, he has, he's not just telling me all the successes. He's telling me all the shit. He's telling me about the 20 ounce steak that he would eat with 12 beers, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, that that's vulnerable. And so yeah. when people can see that vulnerability and you do it so eloquently where it, you're not being a martyr, you're not asking for, you know, attention. You're not saying, oh, look at me. You're saying this was this was ridiculous. And this is what I've done to change it. And I, I, that vulnerability is a real thing. And I think it really helps people latch on. And that's why I think you get such a positive response because they they know it's not bullshit and they know it wasn't perfect and they know it had to get really ugly before it got better. And I saw so I, I the, the, the feedback that I see from people that we went to school with. And- All right. Welcome back. I apologize. I don't know where we cut off, but we've gone long enough that. Um, Anchor decided that uh, that was an, enough for that episode. So we're we're going to wrap this up on in this section. But I'm going to have Ben go ahead and go back to a little bit to what he was just just talking about. We were talking about the, the transparency and and uh, he was talking about, you know, not really caring what people thought. Um, and then that that transparency in, in, in his weight loss battle and that everybody has battles. So, yeah, and I think the, and, and another thing is, Mike, in this day and age, too, um, I think as time goes on, there's going to be less and less secrets um, between people, which is a good and bad thing, because some things need to be kept, you know, pr- private. And, and I agree with that. But some things are best shared among people that are struggling. And um, one thing about it, like I, I'm pretty, pretty open about my weight problem. And the thing about it is, is there's a, there's a 185 pound man and every 350 pound man. And within, within six months, I could be 350 pounds again, no problem with a few slip ups. So what I like to, I, I, I want to expose myself and, and have, whether that's a real or imaginary fan base, a fan base to keep, um, to keep, uh, to keep me real, you know, and, and to know that that those struggles are there. So if they start to see me going south or something, they can, you know, I, I don't want mercy or anything like that. They tell me, shut my mouth and get back to work. You know what I mean? The same as I would be them. Hey, man, you're letting us down. And, and one thing I've learned in life is it's a lot easier to let yourself down than it is to let other people down. Um, so and, and so sometimes I've even gone so far as that when I get sick of fighting myself, 
I pretend I'm fighting a whole other enemy that's external to me. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you just get tired of fighting yourself. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. And it's so funny. Troy O'Dell that I talk about a lot, who was my varsity basketball assistant. He's, did I get that from your podcast? Yeah, he said okay. that all the time. All right. It I heard is, that somewhere. Yeah. It is so okay. much easier. To let, that's so funny. I, to let, I forgot where I heard that. To let somebody, you know, to let yourself down than yeah. it is to let somebody else down. You know, yeah. If you're doing things for other people, and I, and I, and again, that, that 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 just points though to the unselfishness of it. Regardless of whether it, it it's going to benefit you, it is still an unselfish act that is beneficial. And I think, especially in the world of Facebook, where everything's glossy. You know, everybody's vacation looks perfect, and everybody's mm-hmm. Christmas looks perfect, and everybody's yard looks perfect, yeah. and everybody's dog looks perfect. Dogs, there are lots of dogs out there. But <laughs> um, that when there can be a bit of a dose of reality where people make themselves transparent um, and just say, you know, it's not perfect. You know, this is what it is. I just, I think people really latch onto that because everything is about so much about perception. And with social media, where it's not in person, it is so easy to just sit there and sit there and back and then look and feel like you're alone. Look at this. There, there. Everybody's so happy. And this marriage is great. And these kids are amazing. And they look out. Look at food too. What is with people and putting food yeah. on social media? I don't really get it. But obviously, everybody has the perfect meal every night because everybody takes pictures of it and puts it out there. And so it's really easy to get overwhelmed by that. And just go, my. God, what am I doing wrong? All these people look so perfect. So I think when you see something on social media that paints the good with the bad and the ugly with the pretty, people just go, oh, thank God, somebody else that, you know, all their meals aren't perfect and their kids aren't perfect and their hair isn't always perfect. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I think people latch onto that because it can be debilitating to just scroll through all that nonsense thinking that you don't match up. You know, and so it makes people feel less alone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the same token, though, one more thing, um, if that's all right. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes people get and, and I can I can gain a lot of enemies by saying that by saying something like this. But sometimes people, you know, they put out their perfection and stuff like that. Or, or people say that person is too too much in shape or looks too good. And, and that's not real. And I think the, the one thing is there's something to be said for putting out what looks like an ideal though and a perfection because I think there's nothing wrong with shooting for this perfect body Mm -hmm. or a perfect marriage or a perfect uh, meal. As long as you know that that's not going to happen very often, Mm -hmm. but I don't think like, you know, or or a a perfect winless season. Mm -hmm. They're, they're not very interesting actually. A winless season (laughs) or a perfect, a perfect marriage or Mm -hmm. a perfect weight loss story that they're pretty boring. Mm -hmm. But it still seems like it's good to have that one thing to shoot for. Yeah. You know, um, and, and that's interesting too. another person that we went to high school with Heather Anderson, who is now Heather Matter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever read any of Heather's stuff, but she's a kind of a self-help guru now. Okay. She's published books and I, I follow her and on I was Facebook. Aware of that, yep. And 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 Heather does put out some amazing things that she does with her family and, and she has beautiful children and she has a really good marriage. But you know what? She's worked for all of that. And yeah. and she addresses a lot of that in her books and in her podcasts and different things that she's done. And so I think it just it reminded me, I guess maybe a small shout out to Heather, but is that. To have that goal, that objective, and I, I've, I a long time, you know, a, lot of time, a decade or so ago, Heather and I kind of reconnected. I was talking to her pretty in depth about some of the stuff that she was just starting to do. And now she's turned it into like this just 
massively successful business and she's able to just step back from it and and kind of reap the rewards from it. And so it is nice to have somebody too, that you can look at and go, yeah, okay, she did it. I'd like to, I'd like to make that same objective. I mean, look how, you know, successful and happy she is now because she put in the work. Yeah. It's all about the work. Yeah. And she definitely put in the work too. So yeah, I think that's a good point. It, It is a good point that sometimes the glossy gives you, um, an objective and a goal, as long as you know you understand that, got to be aware that that's not normal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it and it was ugly. and it was not achieved yeah. easily. Yeah, you know? and I, I know Heather would say that she, it wasn't achieved easily. She yeah. she worked for every ounce of success she has now, and it wasn't always an easy road. Yeah, so um, reality is beautiful, but reality is not pretty. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> let me rephrase that. You might have to cut that one out. <laughs> Re- reality is is a beautiful thing, but it's messy, I guess. Yes. It's like modern art. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yep. Sometimes you have to really have a your own perspective on what's beautiful to you because yeah. everybody else might be like, ooh boy, it's ugly. Yeah. And I think you, but, you you came to a good point too though with perception, where you know, I think you were able to set your vanity aside a little bit and just say, you know what? It that might have helped me get here, but you know, perception is just that it's perception. I gotta live this for me. And I know you said you have, you know, your pretend audience, which I think more than you realize is probably a real audience, but um, you have to, um, you have to, you have to use that and you have to latch onto that. Uh, and I think you've done it amazingly well. I'm extremely, I'm not that, you know, how I feel matters a whole lot, but I'm extremely, I'm extremely proud of everything that you've accomplished. And every, every time I see one of those pictures of you punching, punching a heavy bag, um, and I know you're, you know, you're training people now. Uh, I, yeah, I just, I, I, we've always been close and I've always admired you and this has absolutely done nothing to change that. In fact, you know, it's probably raised you in, in my esteem, um, ever since, you know, I, I think back to us driving to the Southeast Idaho fair to go watch diamond. Rio Talk about that all the time in your, bron- in, in your Bronco. Um, and now to have come this far and just everything that, you, that you've accomplished and done. And same with you, man. Don't sell you. I mean, that's you. The, try not to sell me as much as sell you. Cause I've looked you, uh, at you uh, up at you. All this time too, man. So, well, I really appreciate you bros. coming on. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. Thank you guys for listening again. Um, again, this is Ben Walters. He's, he's a published author. Check out fatassnomore.com. Uh, if you follow me on Facebook, you'll see his posts on there. Um, but thank you again for listening. We will see you, thank you very next much. time. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Ben.